Chapter Seven of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Contains curious confidences. A week had gone by. Stuart, the lean, thin-faced headkeeper, who spoke with such a strong accent that guests from the south often failed to understand him, and who never seemed to sleep, so vigilant was he over the Glencardine shootings had reported the purchase of a couple of new pointers therefore one morning lady hayburn and her constant cavalier flockhart had walked across to the kennels close to the castle to inspect them at the end of the big old-fashioned stable-yard with grey stone outbuildings ranged down either side and the ancient mounting block a conspicuous object were ranged the modern iron kennels full of pointers and spaniels in that big old paved quad wrangle the cobbles of which were nowadays stained by the oil and of noisy motor-cars many a gram of glencardine had mounted to ride into stirling or edinburgh or to drive in his coach to far-off london the stables were now empty but the garage adjoining whence came the odour of petrol contained the two glencardine cars besides three others belonging to members of that merry irresponsible house-party the inspection of the pointers was a mere excuse on her ladyship's part to be alone with flockhart she wished to speak with him and with that object suggested that they should take the by-road which crossing one of the main roads through the estate led through a leafy wood away to a railway level crossing half a mile off the road was unfrequented and they were not likely to meet any of the guests for some were away fishing others had motored into stirling and at least three had walked down into the octeradar to take a telegram for their blind host well my dear jimmy asked the well-preserved fair-haired woman in short brown skirt and fresh white cotton blouse and sun hat what have you discovered very little replied the easy-going man who wore a suit of rough heather tweed and a round cloth fishing hat my information is unfortunately very meagre you have watched carefully well what have you found out that she's just as much in love with him as before the little fool and i suppose he's just as devoted to her as ever eh of course since you've been away these last few days he's been over here from conakin on one pretext or another every day of course i've been compelled to ask him to lunch for i can't afford to quarrel with his people although i hate the whole lot of them his mother gives herself such airs and his father is the most terrible old bore in the whole country but the match would be an advantageous one wouldn't it suggested the man strolling at her side and he stopped to light a cigarette which he took from a golden case advantageous of course it would but we can't afford to allow it my dear jimmy think what such an alliance would mean to us to you you mean to you also an ugly revelation might result remember therefore it must not be allowed while walter was abroad all was pretty plain sailing lots of the letters she wrote him i secured from the post-box read them and afterwards burned them but now he's back there is a distinct peril he's a cute young fellow remember flockhart smiled we must discover a means by which to part them he said slowly but decisively i quite agree with you that to allow the matter to go any further would be to court disaster we have a good many enemies you and i winnie many who would only be too pleased and eager to rake up that unfortunate episode and i for one 
have no desire to figure in a criminal dock nor have i she declared quickly but if i went there you would certainly accompany me he said looking straight at her what she gasped in quick dismay you would tell the truth and and denounce me i would not but no doubt there are others who would was his answer for a few moments her arched brows were knit and she remained silent her reflections were uneasy ones she and the man at her side who for years had been her confidant and friend were both in imminent peril of exposure their relations had always been purely platonic therefore she was not afraid of any allegation against her honour what her enemies had said were lies all of them her fear lay in quite a different direction her poor blind helpless husband was in ignorance of that terrible chapter of her own life a chapter which she had believed to be closed for ever and yet which was by means of a chain of unexpected circumstances in imminent danger of being reopened well she inquired at last in a blank voice and who are those others who you believe would be prepared to denounce me certain persons who envy you your position and who perhaps think that you do not treat poor old sir henry quite properly but i do treat him properly she declared vehemently if he prefers the society of that chit of a girl of his to mine how can i possibly help it besides people surely must know that to me the society of a blind old man is not exactly conducive to gaiety i would only like to put those women who malign me into my place for a single year perhaps they would become even more reckless of the conveniences than i am my dear winnie he said what's the use of discussing such an old and threadbare theme things are not always what they seem as the man with a squint said when he thought he saw two sovereigns where there was but one the point before us is the girl's future it lies in your hands was her sharp reply no in yours i have promised to look after walter murray but how can i act she asked the little hussy cares nothing for me only sees me at table and spends the whole of her day with her father act as i suggested last week was his rejoinder if you did that the old man would turn her out of the place and the rest would be easy enough but ah he laughed derisively i see you've some sympathy with the girl after all very well take the consequences it is she who will be your deadliest enemy remember she who if the disaster falls will give evidence against you therefore you'd best act now ere it's too late unless of course you are in fear of her i don't fear her cried the woman her eyes flashing defiance why do you taunt me like this you haven't told me yet what took place on the night of the ball nothing the mystery is just as complete as ever she defied you eh her companion nodded then how do you now intend to act that's just the question i was about to put to you he said there is a distinct peril one which becomes graver every moment that the girl and young murray are together how are we to avert it by parting them then act as i suggested the other day it's the only way winnie depend on it the only way to secure our own safety and what would the world say of me her stepmother if it were known that i had done such a thing you've never yet cared for what the world said why should you care now besides it never will be known i should be the only person in the secret and for my own sake it isn't likely that i'd give you away is it you trusted me before he added why not again it would break my husband's heart she declared in a low intense voice remember he is devoted to her 
he would never recover from the shock and yet the other night after the ball you said you were prepared to carry out the suggestion in order to save yourself he remarked with a covert sneer perhaps i was piqued that she should defy my suggestion that she would go to the ball no you were not you never intended her to go that you know when he spoke to her this man never minced matters the woman was held by him in a strange thraldom which surprised many people yet to all it was a mystery the world knew nothing of the fact that james flockhart was without a penny and that he lived lived well too upon the charity of lady heyburn two thousand pounds were placed in secret every year to his credit from her ladyship's private account at coutts besides which he received odd cheques from her whenever his needs required to his friends he posed as an easy-going man about town in possession of an income not large but sufficient to supply him with both comforts and luxuries he usually spent the london season in his cosy chambers in half moon street the winter at monte carlo or at cairo the summer at aix beachy or marinbad and the autumn in a series of visits to houses in scotland he was not exactly a ladies man courtly refined and a splendid linguist as he was the girls always voted him great fun but from the elder ones and from married women especially he somehow held himself aloof his one-woman friend as everybody knew was the flighty go-ahead lady heyburn of the country-house party he was usually the life and soul no man could invent so many practical jokes or carry them on with such refinement of humour as he therefore if the hostess wished to impart merriment among her guests she sought out and sent a pressing invitation to jimmy flockhart a first-class shot an excellent tennis player a good golfer and quite a good hand at putting a stone in curling he was an all-round sportsman who was sure to be highly popular with his fellow guests hence up in the north his advent was always welcomed with loud approbation to those who knew him and knew him well this confidential conversation with the woman whose platonic friendship he had enjoyed through so many years would certainly have caused greatest surprise that he was a schemer was entirely undreamed of that he was attracted by winnie heyburn was declared to be only natural in view of the age and affliction of her own husband cases such as hers are often regarded with a very lenient eye they had reached the level crossing where beside the line of the caledonian railway stands the mail apparatus by which the down mail for ouston picks up the local bag without stopping while the up mail drops its letters and parcels into the big strong net for a few moments they halted to watch the dining car express for ouston pass with a roar and a crash as she dashed down the incline towards creef junction then as they turned again towards the house he suddenly exclaimed look here winnie we've got to face the music now every day increases our peril if you are actually afraid to act as i suggest then tell me frankly and i'll know what to do i tell you quite openly that i have neither desire nor intention to be put into a hole by this confounded girl she has defied me therefore she must take the consequences how do you know that your action the other night has not aroused her suspicions ah there you are quite right it may have done so if it has then our peril has very considerably increased that's just my argument but we'll have walter to reckon with in any case he loves her bah leave the boy to me i'll soon show him that the girl's not worth a second thought replied flockhart with nonchalant air 
all you have to do is to act as i suggested the other night then leave the rest to me and suppose it were discovered asked the woman whose face had grown considerably paler well suppose the worst happened and it were discovered he asked raising his brows slightly should we be any worse off than would be the case if this girl took it into her head to expose us if the facts which she could prove placed us side by side in an as-size court the woman clever scheming ambitious was silent the question admitted of no reply she recognized her own peril the picture of herself arraigned before a judge with that man beside her rose before her imagination and she became terrified that slim pale-faced girl her husband's child stood between her and her own honor her own safety once the girl was removed she would have no further fear no apprehension no hideous forebodings concerning the imminent future she saw it all as she walked along that moss-grown forest road her eyes fixed straight before her the tempter at her side had urged her to commit a dastardly and unpardonable crime in that man's hands she was alas as wax he poured into her ear a vivid picture of what must inevitably result should gabrielle reveal the ugly truth at the same time calmly watching the effect of his words upon her upon her decision depended his whole future as well as hers what was gabrielle's life to hers asked the man point-blank that was the question which decided her decided her after long and futile resistance to promise to commit the act which he had suggested she gave the man her hand in pledge then a slight smile of triumph played about his cruel nether lip and the pair retraced their steps towards the castle in silence End of chapter seven